Mind Over Millennial contains explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. All views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the creators of Mind Over Millennial. The creators are not licensed healthcare, finance, or life professionals, but we're happy to share our Google expertise with you. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Mind Over Millennial. My name is Lauren. And my name is Tess. <laughs> and uh, this week we're going to be tackling a little bit more of a difficult subject because it's very topical personally for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be talking about grief. But before we get in there, uh, Tess, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm a little bit stressed. Life's been kind of crazy this week, but heads above water. I'm doing a furious dog paddle. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, my dear? I am okay. Uh, I'm terrible. Thanks for asking. <laughs> to quote Nora, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll quote her a few times this episode. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Nora's actual podcast title. So if you want to go check that out before you yes. listen to our episode. Nora uh, McKerney has a podcast. I'm terrible. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were just talking about that. But uh, uh, Papa's funeral was on Saturday. And we just got back this morning. My brother, my mom, and I all drove. And uh, there were a lot of wonderful reminiscing moments, a lot of uh, obviously sad moments. And, you know, still trying to get used to that whole grieving process because it is a a process. (laughs) it, It is a process and it's different each time. But yes, yeah, I'm here. And I'm happy to be here. And since this is my therapy, I think we're going to have a good time either way. So this is our more hard hitting therapy session. And if there is humor, which of course there will be, it'll be dark. It's, it's going to get real dark. <laughs> Welcome to the zombie comedy special. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I was, I was looking into grief and stuff like that. And personally have a very strange relationship with grief. And so I did the junior high thing of start with the definition and it made me giggle. Um, because I know, I know that's bad. It made me giggle. Um, as a normal human does (laughs) literally according to Webster, it was deep and poignant distress. Oh, well, Webster, not wrong. Webster, not wrong. That is the most robotic. It is deep and emotional distress. <laughs> well, no kidding. Okay, that doesn't help. And then, then I went to Miss Nora McKerney, who is an expert on the subject and has her podcast. She's an author, speaker, all that kind of stuff. And 
her opening line was, everyone you know has a 100% chance of dying, so we need to check on how to deal with this. Oof. <laughs> I was uh, like, oh, God. That is absolutely 110% true. So... <laughs> So now that we've established that uh, we're all going to just disappear one day. Yeah. Yeah. Then we start into the causes of grief. Obviously, the number one is going to be losing a loved one, losing a person that's close to you. And that's not a laughing matter. That is really deep and sad and painful. Um, Some of us, I have lost loved ones, but never immediate loved ones, like a parent or a spouse or something like that. So I can't speak on that subject. Right. So for me, in an attempt to be a sympathetic friend, I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, when have I experienced grief? What are the other causes? There's got to be more. Because like, I know I've been boohooey and brokenhearted and like grieving, but mm-hmm. I associate grief with loss of a person. So I had to go validate myself and be like, okay, well, what are some other methods, uh, by which you, or causes by which you experience grief and griefrecoverymethod.com actually had 43 different things that can cause a person grief. You're kidding. No, it was a lot of stuff. We will link that in our podcast sources. We're not going to read you all 43 because that would take a while. That would get very boring, very fast. We learned that lesson. (laughs) We're getting better y'all. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, anyway, they revolve around loss, all 43 causes. And I believe most causes of grief, we don't want to be, you know, say the always or never, cause it's too broad, but most right. revolve around grief. So you can lose a person, obviously, first and foremost, you can also lose a dream. If you have an aspiration, a dream, a goal that you worked a long time for, and then suddenly that's ripped away. That causes a grieving process. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely sure it does. And I, I would com- say that that's completely legitimate. They're, they're two very different things, but it is a similar emotion, similar response. Right. Um, loss of money, mortgages mm. or debt or, you know, mm-hmm. unexpected loss of money. Let's say you get in a car wreck or you have a huge hospital bill that was completely unexpected. That can cause you grief. Yeah. Um, a loss of routine. Mm-hmm. Or an unexpected change in your schedule, your routine, your comfort zone, that can cause you grief. And also a loss of things personally important to you. This can be personal time. It can be um, something silly where you're just like, I had this item that was really important to me and it was personally important. All of this stuff can cause grief. What's up? So I want to tell a really cute story about Ian because he's my spouse and I can. But um, just to kind of make this a little bit more light and fluffy, when you're talking about losing an item, right? (laughs) So like Ian, as a child, had two stuffed tigers. Uh, Oh, were they the big ones? Like the really... So he had one that was a big one. Okay. And he had names for both of these, as you could imagine. So the big one, because he's so imaginative and not literal at all, was (laughs) named Big. (laughs) And then he had a little one. Which, as you can imagine, you would think, you know, same thing. Little. Little. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Ian had these two stuffed tigers. And one of the first times that we ever, like, hung out at his house, and guys, we were in college. Like, we were third year in college, mm-hmm. about to graduate. We were hanging out, and he was sharing this story with me as how he used to have uh, two very important stuffed animals in his life. And his mom accidentally donated little 
without asking Ian in high school. Like guys, he was in high school. But I get that. I get that. Right. But it's just like, it's one of those things that I never thought about. Like it is obviously like you're, you're in distress, right? Like that is something that's going to cause you distress. But I, like, I never put that together with grief until like right now. And that just makes it so much more like light and fluffy to me. (laughs) No, I, I totally agree. I had something really similar happen. Um, just a couple of months ago, actually, I had a jacket that was from my best friend in early college. We got kind of separated. He went into the military and like he happened to leave this jacket mm-hmm. and that it, it didn't fit me. It was really old and beat up. Like it always stayed in the back of my car and I never really thought about it until one day it was accidentally lost. And I, mm-hmm. it wasn't anybody's fault. It just, we went to a competition and like it got lost in the warm up area I tried to tear heaven and earth apart to find that thing and I never could. And I just was heartbroken for, it was only like a day. Like it's a lesser, it's a right. lesser grief than it would be to lose, you know, a person or a dream or something like that. There's varying degrees, but it's still real and poignant in that moment. Right. No, it definitely exists. And it's absolutely real. Like those, those feelings are totally validated. Like yeah. you're not silly. That's validated. No, it's a hundred. I just literally lost my grandfather and I am saying that this shit is valid. <laughs> so, if you need permission, not that you do, but if, if anybody does. Honestly, that's one of the things we're going to talk about very shortly is giving yourself permission to grieve. So like, don't, don't hold back, be gentle with yourself and give yourself per- I know she's making faces at me. She doesn't like her going with this. I was trying to start out light and like (laughs) the reason for the faces is because uh I'm I'm in a very weird part of the grieving stage I think and it's still we'll get I think we're gonna actually get to the stages of it and we can kind of go in a little deeper a little Mm -hmm. later I know we were gonna avoid doing that but I just I'm not sure that at this point I'm totally ready to get deep deep into it I only started my drink you know so we gotta no, you're good. Uh, this is this is part of actually my next thing, which is the process of grieving. And that is everyone grieves differently. Everyone grieves at a different pace. Mm-hmm. Everyone grieves a different way. Um, I spoke yeah. with my husband actually right before this podcast. He lost his father very unexpectedly um, in early high school. I believe he was 15. Oh, and I wow. did ask if I could share this. I did ask and he's okay. Um, but he lost him very unexpectedly. Like one day dad was good. And the next day, massive heart attack and gone. Holy and, um, and I had to ask him like, Hey, what was your grieving process? Like, I want to pick your brain. What was your grieving process? Because he has had that really deep cut, emotional, personal person loss. Yeah. And, um, his thing was anger. He was like, I didn't need to cry. I didn't need to be silent. I needed to rage. I didn't hurt anybody, but I I needed somebody to let me yell at them. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I didn't mean it personally, but I wanted to yell. And the people that just didn't take it personal and let me yell at them, that was my coping mechanism. And that was how I processed my grief. Well, and that's how a lot of people do, especially, and not to be like that person, but men definitely are kind of, it's a lot easier to just go right into that anger mode. And like, I'm, I'm the same way. I just go straight numb and then get mad Mm -hmm. um, at least this time around. And uh, you know, you were saying that grieving is different for everybody, but even the different times that you grieve are different. Um, 
you know, I've, I've lost all of my grandparents now. Um, and the hardest one for me was my Nana cause she was my person. And that yeah. was my most recently deceased Papa. That was his wife. And, um, that took still years. Like I'm still, I'm still not over that. And that was in 2018. It's been two years and now Papa's passed, but there's a, a large sense of this time around instead of sadness and, uh, kind of this righteous anger it's it's more of a relief and yeah. it's a little more peaceful because now they're back together yeah and I don't maybe I'm just rationalizing it like maybe I'm in that stage as opposed to any of the other ones but yeah I mean every single time is is very different and I know that when Papa passed originally I just kind of went numb and angry as opposed to just being sad and angry I get that. No, it's definitely a coping mechanism. And I don't have a source on this one, but I would hypothesize that depending on if you're a fight or flight person, you mm-hmm. have that anger versus that sadness at first. Not always. Again, we're not, we're generalizing. We're not, applying, right. you know, always yeah. and nevers. Um, but I, I think you and I, and I know Tim is a fight person. Like we want to stand and say, no, like I want to have my territory. I want to guard it. And then if somebody cuts into that, even with loss, that's that, you know, taking something away from you, you want to anger, you want to rage, you want to all this kind of stuff against it. You want to fight it. Rage against the machine. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So yeah, I, I mean, it totally, it totally makes sense to me. Sorry guys, I, I'm I have a really fucked up sense of humor. I have to laugh. So <laughs> but you warned them. We warned them. So, yeah, yeah, we warned them this is a dark episode. And like I, I get it. And also I understand the peace aspect. Um when I lost my grandfather, uh, who I was close to, but he died when I was about mm, 12 years old. So not terribly, terribly close to, um, there was a huge sense of peace. Uh, he had a, he sustained a really bad head injury and in his final days he could hear, but he couldn't speak and he was completely immobilized in the hospital bed, that kind of thing. And he held on for certain things. It was really strange. Um, his kids were there. My mom was there and, he held on for certain things. He wanted to make sure his wife was taken care of, my um, step nana. And until somebody said, "Hey, I'm going to take care of her," he would not let go. Oh, that's. Yeah. And when he did pass, it was unexpected. The head injury was unexpected, so like it was a couple of week, a uh, week or so, I think. And then he passed. But after that week, it was like a little bit of a sense of relief, intense sadness too, but a sense of relief of like he's no longer suffering. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's incredibly valid too because my papa, you know, he was going through test knows this, but yeah, he was in the throes of a really terrible and aggressive form of dementia. And um he just wasn't he wasn't him and he hadn't been right. for probably way longer than we really understood because you know, Nana was really good at protecting the family from all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, including how horribly that she felt because she was, uh, she passed away from, uh, cancer that had metastasized throughout her body. And, you know, oh, wow. she, yeah. And, and she was sick for like five years. She had terminal cancer for five years. And the joke in our family is that she had terminal cancer for five years. And yet after she passed away two weeks after, uh, the last family vacation we all took together, which was my Nana and Papa's 60th wedding anniversary. They took everybody. Aww. 
I know. So sweet. Uh, they took everybody on an Alaskan cruise. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and she passed away two weeks after. And she was fine on the trip. She was doing okay. And she didn't seem like she was talking to me. The last thing I said to her, um, which I still feel bad about, she was asking if, you know, what, what the plans for Christmas were. And, um, you know, I, instead of saying anything to give her a reason to hold on, which is something that I still deal with. And that's guilt that I have that isn't, it's not real, but it still exists. And I'm sure a lot of people have that. It's very valid. Um, you know, instead of trying to give her something to hold on to, I was just like, well, we'll see. And Nana was my person. I I wanted to be there. Um, but there were other things that happened on that trip that, uh, kind of made it a little more difficult to want to spend time with that side of the family as probably some other people have experienced after. A I long- understand that. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. After a long family vacation. And, uh, yeah. And that's the last time that I got to talk to my Nana. And afterwards, my, my aunt, uncle, and my mom saw how bad Papa's mental state was, and they had no clue. Right. And she was she was the shield. I, and she was. And she was a, a wonderful shield. She was the glue. She was the stitching. She was everything. Yeah. Um, as any good matriarch is. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, and that side of the family is all, I don't know if people know things about like the Christian Reformed Church, but they're very Dutch. They're very Christian Reformed. So it's a very patriarchal type uh, community, but the matriarchs are what really make it. And Hey, um, behind every good man, there's a woman pushing him forward. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. holding him up. Yep. And the entire family. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that. It's like the guy's the one, maybe in the in the usual patriarchy, we're not talking feminism or anything here, but you know, the guy's the one that's out front and charging, and then it's actually mom or grandma who's over there being like, This is how everything works. It's fine. I got this. I told him what to do. Yep. Yep. That household manager, everything. Oh that, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, we got sidetracked. No, you're totally fine. You're totally good. This is this is a bit of a raw one, so it's a it's a live wire. We get it. <laughs> yeah, we're still gonna truck through. We got this. Oh yeah, we do got this. Also, that's what whiskey and tequila is for. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. <laughs> but that might be an unhealthy coping mechanism. Don't abuse gonna... substances. <laughs> yeah, don't abuse substances. <laughs> don't abuse substances. Episode one. <laughs> You're a beautiful human unicorn and don't abuse substances. Exactly. Exactly. Those are going to be both of our stickers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. There's all three of them at once. Okay. So, but in the process part, everybody grieves differently. So if you ask yourself, am I supposed to feel the way that I'm feeling? Am I supposed to feel like barren, like something's been taken from me or angry, or just like you want to crawl in a hole and like just under the covers? in there, you know, just all of these things are validated because everyone is affected differently. Everyone deals with grief differently. And as Lauren very accurately stated, everyone deals with every instance of grief differently. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to the unicorn aspect. Like you are unique. Mm -hmm. You are dealing with it uniquely. So give yourself permission to feel grief in that manner. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have to, and this is something that I'm still dealing with right now. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think everybody does as they continue. So, um, uh, I think it's one of those things where I like to be very introspective Mm -hmm. and I like to know exactly why I feel the way that I feel down to the point where it's almost, uh, obsessive, uh, (laughs) trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in my own head. So that analyzation gene. Exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's that analyst part, but you know, if, if you are that type of person, or even if you feel like whatever you're going through, because it's new, mm-hmm. um, it, not that it's not valid, but whether or not you're concerned that something's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you for not having any of the grieving processes that you have. Mm-hmm. Not everybody cries when people no. pass away. Um, not everybody has a sense of anger or distress. Some people, not to say that they're happy, but there is that peaceful part and that's okay too. And it's okay if you have that acceptance and that peaceful part, and then you go back a step and you're sad. Like there's so many ways and and grief is a spectrum. It's not, it's not a scalable thing. It's a spectrum and it's also a cycle. It's not linear. You're going to come through moments of, oh, I feel better today. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow may be a bad day. It's a cycle and that is okay. And your method is okay. Um, something that a piece of advice Tim was given when he lost his dad was your method of dealing with grief is okay to the point that you are not injuring yourself or others. Yeah. You yeah. deal with it the way that you deal with it. And that's okay. And that's valid. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if the way that you need to deal with it is through anger. Yeah. If, if you're an angry, not an angry person, but you know, if an angry if, griever, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, an angry griever, you know, and like 15, that's the, the height of your testosterone being pumped. Oh yeah. That's a hard time. <laughs> and not only did you lose somebody, but you lost your dad and like, that's your role model. I can, I can only yeah. imagine the, the anger that I would personally feel toward you know, if you're religious toward God, if you're not religious toward the world for having that person taken from you, like oh, it, yeah. I, I, even right now, that's unfathomable. Right. Me. No, I don't understand it. I have to give a first person source because like I said, I've lost, I, I don't want to say secondary family, like they're secondary, but like it hasn't been in my immediate circle. It's been grandparents, aunts and uncles, that kind of thing that I have lost that maybe I saw at family gatherings or when I was little, that kind of thing. And I've always felt guilty because I rarely cry when people die, at least in my life. And Mm -hmm. that makes me feel so guilty because I most of the times have had that peace response Mm -hmm. where they've been older and it's been, you know, a rich and full life. And I, I don't, it's a rationalization and I feel guilty and I feel bad for it because it's like, I love them. Mm-hmm. I continue to carry them with me. I continue to relish every moment and memory that I have and every way that they shape my life. But when they've passed, it hasn't been unexpected. It hasn't been too young. And I'm extremely blessed to be able to say that, but I also feel very inept at speaking on this subject because I don't have the proper experience. I don't think there's any such thing as proper because even still, like, as you said, there's tons of ways of grief. I mean, we're just kind of talking about death because, you know, that's the most topical for me. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sure that you've experienced like, or I guess a death of a person, but you've experienced like a death of a pet 
and you've experienced other things that are just oh, as yeah. valid. I've experienced death of a pet. I've experienced death of a dream. I know how hard that one hits. Like I have experienced that one firsthand, unexpectedly, very rough and raw and, you know, not understood at all. So I, I understand it in that spectrum, but I would never let myself say like, oh, I understand what you're going through. That's just, that's something I don't want to say. Cause I don't feel that anybody could say that to me. No. And I think that that's fair. I think that's totally fair. And I mean, again, it goes back to that. I don't know if this episode has come out yet or if it's just something that we have on Patreon, but we had a discussion about, you know, uh, sympathy and empathy mm-hmm. and um, how we kind of look at it. And and for people that don't know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with trying to empathize with somebody and share these types of stories, because I think it allows other people to also understand that like, you're not alone. Because um, no, because it's very easy when you're going through these processes uh, to feel like you're the only person going through them. And while you're correct, you're the only person that's experiencing your grief and that's incredibly valid. Mm-hmm. You're not the only person who has been able to pull out of it as well. And you're right. going to pull out of it. And that, that to me is, is the most important thing. So even if you can't test completely, you know, relate and empathize, you still can sympathize mm-hmm. and and I think most of people can do that. And we talked about how sympathy kind of can sound uh, a little bit disgenuine depending on who's giving you sympathy. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, from, from our perspective, I think a lot of the way that we do open up and even if we are kind of assholes, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we are assholes because we have deep feelings and we care a lot and we want people to know that we care a lot. So when it comes to, you know, petty bullshit, it's not that that's water off a duck's back, but like stuff like yeah. this, it's, it's much deeper. And even if we can be dark about it, cause that's the only way that <laughs> I know how to cope with anything. It's uh, our unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we know what they are. We choose to retain them anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just out of your substances and then you're fine. Exactly. <laughs> but that also, like, I know that we're not completely through all the, the stages of grief or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back to that. And Those were not the stages. I'm actually moving into the stages next. I kind of wanted to go through, you know, what happens when there is grief or what would cause grief. And then I wanted to move into the actual stages of grief. Um, the cool first segue. Yeah, there we go. We got there. (laughs) (laughs) The first one, um, and these are off of BetterHelp, so it's not going to be the five stages. It's actually going to be the seven, so we're trying to be all-encompassing over here. The first one is shock and denial of the seven. Not the five, but the first and the seven, shock and denial. Or I'm sorry, shock and – oh, yeah, shock and denial. Okay, denial is technically the second one in this case, but – we're going to go with shock first. Oh my God. I can't believe it happened. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's true for all of these instances. The, you know, the list of 43, again, like I said, you could wreck your car and have to pay a whole bunch of money. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Mm-hmm. I can't count the times I have wished that I had like that video game thing where you can like go back to your previous start thing or go back five seconds. I feel like that could have saved me so many times in life. And that's a trivialization and I apologize, but but I I think that's so relatable though. Like it's not even, it's not a trivialization. It's like, and that's a millennial thing. I think too, is just like, we grew up with these things like Pokemon, like when you had your little Game Boy color and you could save right before the, the biggest, uh, boss battle. battle. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you could you could save and then you know if you if you failed you could turn it off and turn it back on and then you're you're right back where you need to be yeah like I I totally can relate to that I don't think that's trivial at all to me but I I'm it's legitimate for me like any time that I've thankfully not had like a huge wreck, but like a fender bender or something like that. I say, oh my God, I wish I could go back five seconds and maybe swerve or break a little harder. Or like do, try something else. It's again, that video game mentality of like, well, this attack didn't work. So I'll try a different combo. Right. Right. Yeah. And even though life isn't video games and we know consequences have act or actions have consequences, Absolutely. blah, 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 blah. It's a wish. It's not a thing. Right. I it's that shock. Oh my God. Like that did not just happen. It's that shock and denial, which is technically phase two mm-hmm. of the seven step again from better help, uh, denial, which is trying to avoid the inevitable. Like if I don't admit oh. that it happened, it didn't happen. <laughs> that did not just happen. You did not just. <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. Oh no, she didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the little snap. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, I can't do the head bobble. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. P.S. Denial is the second stage. And again, we're laughing at this because of the dark humor and the coping mechanism, but... We're laughing at this because we're fucked up. And I hope <sighs> that you're fucked up too, but... <laughs> That's the only kind of friends we attract. It's okay. <laughs> this, is, this, is a safe, safe for, this is a safe place for fucked up people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So second stage is denial. You're trying to avoid the inevitable or not admit that it happened because then it's not your reality. Like if I don't accept it into my reality, then it didn't really happen. It's not really true. Yeah. The third one is anger. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't want this to have happened. Okay. Now I've accepted that it's my reality, but I'm not happy with it. Or why the fuck? Yeah, like, exactly. This is this is my reality, and what the fuck did I do to deserve this? Why the fuck did this have to happen? Like, and yeah, you know, I I cuss a lot, but you know, in this instance, fuck isn't just an adjective. Like, it actually mm-hmm. is a, it's a poignant. There's a reason for it. No, absolutely. I, and when you're grieving, like all of that stuff comes out. It's those most baser emotions. It's that hardwiring. There's none of this. Like, oh, I have a filter, and that's what's going to come out. And that's when you need your closest friends, your family, your loved ones, and possibly don't be afraid to go get professional help. Like if this gets Mm -hmm. to a point where you say, I need somebody who is trained to handle this, like that can help you. Yep. And there's no shame in that at all. That is highly recommended. Yep. Absolutely. So the, the, the third one is anger and actually segue into the fourth one is bargaining. Why did this happen and what could I have done to avoid it? Yep. Yep. And to me, that goes a little bit with the denial. It's almost like that cycle we were talking about. At first, I'm denying this is my reality, and then I'm bargaining to figure out why it's part of my reality and what I could have done to avoid that. Yeah, and or not even sometimes it's not even just avoiding. It's what what could have I have done because some things are inevitable, like death. Um, and if you're not the person that's accepting that you're passing away or or you're accepting the illness and you're not bargaining for your own life, it, it may not have been that you're bargaining for somebody else's life, but you might have been bargaining for that last opportunity again, mm-hmm. which which is something that I still struggle with two years after my Nana passed is, is that last experience. Like what what could I have done better to give her some more to hold on to? And I know that's not real, right. but it's still real to me. And right. it's been years. Like, and this is, and he, and her husband just passed away and I'm still more upset about Nana than Papa. <laughs> so like, it's, and it's that's every grief is different. Yep. Every grief is different. 
Yep, so. exactly. And this one reminds me of a funny little anecdote. I don't know if any of you guys watch How I Met Your Mother, but this reminds me of the episode where Marshall's dad passed away and Marshall found out he had that last voicemail from his dad. And he was like, whatever's on this is the last, last words that my dad ever Ever said to me, and he went through all of the last conversations he had, and finally settled on the Crocodile Dundee three mm-hmm. had told him. And then at the very end, kind of went to the okay, like there wasn't anything else I could do. Like this is his last words. I'm gonna listen to this, and it was moving towards that last stage of acceptance. But it's that thing of like, could it have been better? I don't know. Like I don't know if I want to risk it. I'm not totally sure if I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Could it have been better? That's that bargaining stage. Yep, absolutely. And then the next stage is depression. <laughs> Yay, we're back to depression. <laughs> we- <laughs> <laughs> and that's the finally realizing that this is inevitable. It's not really a true acceptance because there's no peace to it. There's no moving forward with it. Right. You're just like, ugh, okay, right. like I admit that I'm here. This right. sucks. It, I'm, I'm in the pits, but I admit that I'm here. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of want to talk about uh, to this point is that depression that is experienced in grief can sometimes cause like a major depression, a, a major depression type disorder. Mm-hmm. It, um, depression actually has uh, nine different, there are nine different types of depression. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's nine different types of depression. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but what I wanted to just kind of compare and contrast Mm -hmm. is uh, situational versus major depression. And uh, with situational depression, it it is one of these things that we've kind of talked about all of these causes that happen when you are grieving. Yeah. And this is the type of depression that is most notably known with grief. Um, So that's, you know, the, the types of things that you feel are obviously attached to depressive episodes like, you know, you might be crying a lot. You might be yelling a lot. You might have anxiety. You might not be mm-hmm. able to sleep. Um, and you might feel like you just need to kind of run away from people and be by yourself and feel numb in your own little corner, which is totally fine. Very valid. But, um, you know, if you start to notice that these things are affecting you a little deeper or a little longer, because most situational, um, most situational types of depression go away within two to three months. And that's not to say that like the grieving process ends because it doesn't. No. Um, And you can always go back, but it's if you feel like you still are having major distress day in and day out and you can't move forward um, like two to three months after, it might be good to go talk to somebody. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, once you get past that six month stage, that's usually when the DSM-5 and psychologists will actually diagnose you with something Uh, like a major depressive type episode Mm -hmm. where you can actually get uh, medication for it if you wanted to. I've never been in the situation where I felt like I needed to have uh, medication and there's nothing wrong to say that if you are going through grief that extends for a long period of time. Because again, like as I said in the beginning, I'm still dealing with the grief of losing my Nana. Um, And that's been, that's been two years, but, um, it's never been something that has made it to where I don't feel like I can move throughout the rest of my day. And I know that does happen for people. It's a shadow, but it's not overshadowing. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if you're, if you're going through this grieving process and you feel like there's something that is a little more uh, deep than Mm -hmm. just situational depression, 
always, always, always find somebody to talk to. Don't recluse so much that you feel like there's nobody else that's there. No. And don't feel like you have to do it on your own. Even if you're an extremely independent person, don't feel like you have to do it on your own. Your loved ones and professionals want to help you through this. We want you to continue to be a happy and joyful, beautiful human unicorn. Exactly. Exactly. You need to gallop with your beautiful little halo on your head. Yes. So the next stage is testing. I hadn't heard this one before, but I liked it. I don't think I've heard this either. Which is you're seeking realistic solutions and you're testing solutions to get out of this depression caused by your grief. Okay. I like that. I do too, because it's so legitimate. It's, do I need to get out there and exercise and have an endorphin rush? Do I need to, you know, just go talk to somebody. I get, I get happy just from like making friends with strangers and making random people smile. That just makes me happy. And even if I'm depressed and I'm down in the dumps, if I can make somebody else smile, I get like a little bit of the reverb. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, is there, do I need to eat this entire sleeve of Oreos and watch a sad movie and cry, which is entirely (laughs) valid too. That is entirely valid too. And that is definitely a coping mechanism. And I am not above, (laughs) you know, those kinds of like specifically named were sugar and alcohol when I was reading this article and they were like, these are coping mechanisms. Just be careful that they don't become long, deep rooted patterns. Don't abuse substances. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. But eat a lot of Oreos. (laughs) I love Oreos. I wish they loved me, but I can't eat them. <laughs> oh, that's right. You can't. No, I can't. Oh my God, Tess. It's okay. It's I'm fine. so sorry. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's obviously not fine, but it's fine. And then the last stage is, of course, acceptance, which sometimes is the hardest to accept because if you're in one of those earlier stages, like it is a horrible, guilty feeling to say like, someday I will find joy again. Someday I will accept this. Someday I will move forward. Yeah. And when we're talking about this a little bit more, um, there's a big difference between moving forward and moving on. You're not moving on from this person. You're moving forward with their memory and with the way they affected your life and the way they help sculpt who you are today. If it is specifically a person loss, if it's a dream loss, when I lost my dream, my career path changed. My college major and plans of everything I had planned for my life completely changed, but I moved forward understanding that. And now I've accepted it and I'm okay with where I am. Well, and that's all that you really need to. And to your point is like when you move, and I, I think we're going to get into this a little later, later too, but when you do move forward, um, you know, it's not just the the memories that you take on, but it also, in the case of my grandfather, he was a phenomenal human being. He was incredibly intelligent and was published 73 times in medical journals. He made wow. the, yeah, he, uh, he, his research that he headed at different, uh, at, uh, at children's hospital in uh, Colorado and even at, uh, oh, he was at St. Jude for a little bit and he was at, uh, the University of Texas heading the MD Anderson medical program for oncology for pediatrics. And 
Wow. His research, yeah, and his research actually made the chemotherapy success rate for uh, leukemia for children and, and other cancers go from below 20% to almost above 95% success. That's and, amazing. Right? It is. It is. That is amazing. Like the lives he saved and the lives he bettered. That's moving forward, not moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to hear stories every once in a while of people that he helped. And it's really cool. It's really cool to have that in your, in your bloodline, I guess. And then it's also a little bit more difficult to realize I have a podcast and he saved lives. So. Hey, we're just (laughs) starting out. Who knows? We're in our twenties. We're still getting there. Haven't reached the golden years yet. Must absolutely reach the golden years at 25. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but. Well, then I have like two months because then I'm turning 26. (laughs) Oh, dude, same. I turned 26 before you. It's fine. I know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you for that tangent. You're totally good. We need humor. We need light moments so we can breathe. (laughs) It's all good. But also on that standpoint, I, from an outsider who... If this is gauche, I do apologize because that's not how I mean it. I am in awe. Um, from an outsider, he achieved my life goal, which is to make a difference longstanding past what I can do personally. Oh, same. And that is amazing. That's yeah. a life celebrated. That's huge. Yeah. No, he was, he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. And there's nothing that's going to take that away. He's, he's going to live on in communities mm-hmm. for a very long time. And, and I hope that, I hope genuinely, genuinely, I hope that I get to make at least a little bit of a difference the way he did. He did amazing things for a very long time and it's awesome. That, that is wonderful and amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. Impressed. I'm color me impressed. <laughs> All right. Enough of the sappy shit. Let's move on. Okay, fine. <laughs> We're going to go with coping mechanisms. Lauren, what's your coping mechanism of choice? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm, I, I gotta be honest after, after Nana passed, um, I also had a surgery And so I went from being able to be in the gym all the time to uh, having to recover from that surgery. And then Ian's grandparents passed both at the same time. And Mm -hmm. so it became a matter of uh, trying to balance my grief with his grief and then balancing traveling and everything else. And it just got to a point where um, alcohol did become a lot of a numbing agent and I felt a lot better when I would drink, I'd, I was more outgoing. I liked to have conversations. I wasn't thinking about things that were making me sad. Um, and after Papa passed, I kind of had this realization that in order to live a life that I know that I need to and, and have a longer, have a longer, more healthy life, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd, maybe drinking as much as I drink isn't the right move. Yeah. And going back to the gym, I know that like, I, I like to lift. I really do. And I noticed that after Papa passed away and that sense of peace kind of came over me that he's with Nana and he's back home. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had the craving to go to the gym again. Like I had that craving that I wanted to lift heavy shit again. That's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's a while to kind of get to that point. And maybe Papa passing was, was me being able to accept that at least they're back together. And that gives me the sense of peace that I feel like I needed. Um, But realistically, growing up, 
throughout through breakups and everything else, it's always been working out. Um, mm-hmm. even if it's just going on a walk, like it's just getting fresh air. Um, I really always feel better when I'm out in the wilderness, Yeah, but, but the craving to work out has returned and I'm just waiting for the gyms on post to open up to, <laughs> to civilians again, <laughs> realistically. Yeah. What about, what about you? Do you have a, I have a silly one again. I'm sorry. I don't deal with this. Right. Um, there is no wrong way. <laughs> Okay, I don't deal with this typically in the typical way. Whatever, there's probably no typical way either. Um, but the person that I lost that meant the absolute most to me was my great uncle. Um, he was a mentor for me growing up, and he was just a fount of knowledge and information. And I love sitting around listening to his stories. And when he passed away, <laughs> my coping mechanism, which was so strange, but it was the place that I found the most relief and peace was on the swing set in the park. That is so wholesome. I know. Oh my God. That honestly is going to make me like tear up. That's so fucking wholesome. I would go outside to the, you know, the big rebar swing sets that you can go really, really high. And I would plug in like some, you know, really easy listening, electronic jazz kind of music. And I would sit there until my butt fell asleep swinging. Like literally until my butt was like, yeah, you're, you're dead. Like you got to get up. And that was, that was my personal coping mechanism. How, how old were you? When that I was, was in college. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm not judging. Like, cause I'm, no. I was kind of thinking when you said electronic jazz, I'm like, that sounds a little bit older. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually really fucking wholesome. And I love it. There's something about the swing set motion just like really kind of rocks you back and forth and feels really yeah. loving. And also when it was like dead of night here where I live, we have really clear skies. And so if I could get it going high enough, it looked like I was vaulting into space yeah. on every upswing. And it was like it was going toward the stars. And somehow it seemed to like close the distance a little bit. And there was that <sighs> rocking motion. And that was that was me escaping and just trying to find that peace. My fucking heart hurts. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm over here talking about how I'm fucking drinking and just wanting to lift heavy shit. And you're like, no, I wanted to be in the stars. God damn. <laughs> Normally I'm not like this. But no, she's not. <laughs> she's not like this at all. That's why no. I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> like, this is so awesome. <laughs> this is not typical Tess over here, but that was the way that I coped with it. I, I love that. I love yeah. that a lot. And so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, that was me. That was my coping. But it won't feel like this forever. That's the first thing you have to keep in your mind. Not it's right. going to be okay because that is shit. Yeah. No, That's don't. A shit thing to say. Don't yeah. believe people when they say that and don't say that to people because you will be okay, but it will not be okay. Right. Right. That's not how that works. Yeah. And that's just crappy and we don't want to do that. Don't, don't be that person for other people. Yeah. Even if you mean it in the, again, in the most wholesome way possible, the, the reality is, is that nothing makes a loss okay. No. Um, the things that make losses, quote unquote, okay, is the fact that a person will persevere through the loss, that they are still meant to be around. And this is a growing stepping stone. And all of the things that we've talked about before, where that legacy will live on, Mm-hmm. If not because they have their own legacy, but because they lived through you mm-hmm. and there was 
something that touched you, even if it is a, a, a breakup or, a, you know, the loss of a pet or something, like you always learn lessons. Part of growing is learning. Part of being alive and being human is learning. Yeah. And losing something that was imperative to you and taught you a lot is never going to be okay. No. But you will be. You absolutely will be. And uh, something in one of the the sources that I read that was really interesting to me, and I loved it, and for me, it was like, I'm going to hold on to this, was it's not a parallel path. Let's say you broke up with somebody or you lost a spouse or a dream or whatever. It's not a parallel path. It's an instance in your path that had to happen for future events. Oh, that's deep and trippy. This Another, is it. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I just. I, I'm having like a Joe Rogan moment. Um, <laughs> nothing like that is very profound mm-hmm. because it, it. It's just profound. I'm sorry. Well, I can't take credit for it. It was another Nora McGurney. Uh, I listened to her TED talk, and this is one of the things she talked about, and it just it spoke to me deeply because it was like. Like I talked about in the relationships podcast, you know, previous relationships taught me things that had I not learned those lessons, I would not be with the one I am currently. And that's just, that's a fact for me. And that's a fact I've accepted. And so it's not a parallel. It's not a, what if it's not an anything, it's a piece of your tapestry And if you're me, you believe everything happens for a reason because I have to believe that or I will go nuts. Um, Same. I have to. Like, that's not for everybody. That's me personally. I have to believe everything happens for a reason or I think my psyche would crumble. Same. Yeah. So, yeah. And another another thing to that point is you can handle it. You can handle this. You may need people to build you up. You may need loved ones. You may need professionals. You may need some time off from life. Don't literally like take off from life, but like you might need a vacation from normalcy. Yeah, you might you might need to if if it is a loss of a love of a loved one as in death or a loss of a loved one like a breakup or even losing a dream it's okay to just kind of take a step back and take that time to do this part of grieving. And maybe it's not, maybe you can't like go anywhere, but that doesn't mean you can't have a staycation and just like start going for long walks, get out and get out into nature, you know, kind of just make yourself, pick yourself out of bed mm-hmm. and, and do the next thing. Yeah. And, and get through it in that way. But, you know, we don't all get to just get into comas whenever we want or else I'd, I'd be in one right now, honestly. Yeah. No, we can't do that. And Dr. Wendy Lichnathal, Lynchel, I'm not sure. Sorry. I'm sure she's listening right now and she's very offended. I'm so sorry. Anybody um, feel free to send us an email and correct us with the <laughs> correct pronunciation if you know Dr. Wendy personally. Yes. Only if you know her personally, though. I don't want any. I don't want any <laughs> bullshit about how you think her name should be. She had a really good point about how grief begets meaning. It oh. shows you what is meaningful and important to you, mm. and that is something good that comes out of it. That's not an "it'll be okay." That's a "wow." These things, this person, this instance, this whatever means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. 
And if it's not a person, if it's a dream, maybe figure out how you can work around whatever you lost. Or if somebody lied to you and you lost a friend, like figure out how to find something that's a replacement. Not right away. I'm not talking about rebounding or anything like that, but figuring out what means a lot to you and moving forward. If there's a breakup and you say, oh, wow, these are the key points of this person, Mm-hmm. You know what to look for next time. Like we talked about in a relationship uh, podcast, you know, just think about what you want and don't just say, cause they're hot. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's a perk, but as you keep talking, like all I'm thinking about is uh, there's a band from here around Florida where I grew up called uh, a day to remember. Yeah. And they have a song called uh, if it means a lot to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all I can think about is the little duet chorus part. <laughs> Because me and my friends would sing it all the time in my car (laughs) when we were like 16. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. That's fine. We want to talk about singing things that you're not supposed to sing. Tim and I have been walking around singing the narwhal song for three days. Now we're going to have narwhals singing in the ocean, causing a commotion because they are so awesome. Narwhals are. (laughs) All right. So in the the source notes, we're going to (laughs) have all of our sources. I will paste the narwhal song. The Narwhal song. And and just for fun, I'll also put uh, ADTRs. Uh, there we go. Yes. There. I, have, I have to credit Austin and Christina, who are good friends of Tim and I, because they were the ones that taught us that song. So if they're listening, shout out to them, because now we run around singing it all day. That is fantastic. <laughs> and that is the best. Uh, that's I. That, that, that should be the end of the entire podcast. That's, <laughs> that's the coping mechanism that we all need is the narwhal song. <laughs> the narwhal song. <laughs> well, that does move us into the acceptance portion. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not quite the end, but we're getting close, y'all. <laughs> you stick around for 10 more minutes. Um, and that is another uh, Nora McCurney nugget of wisdom. You don't move on, you move forward. And I said this earlier, but I want to stress it again. You're not moving on from that person. You're moving forward with their memory, with everything they did for you. You're moving forward, not on. Don't think of it as, oh my God, I have to get over it. I have to move on. That's not a thing. No, no, it's not. It that doesn't even make sense. What are you doing? Like forgetting them and like moving on? Like, a, no, no, they're a piece of you. That's why it's not a parallel. It's a single strand and they were part of it and they built part of it. You can't just yank that out yeah they're a little knot in that little timeline of your life if you believe in yeah. string theory so if they're if they're a part of that knot they're there and they're mm-hmm. always going to be there and that's perfectly fine and and it's something where that's a part of your beautiful little tapestry that that exists and is you and they live through you and so they're always going to be around in you through you with you and um I listened to another little TED talk by Jason Rosenthal. He was the husband of Amy Rosenthal. Mm. And he talked about the permission to move on or not on, but permission to move forward. Yeah. And his wife was the one who died. She died of ovarian cancer, Amy Rosenthal. Um, And she publicly gave him permission to move on. And she published this satiric and ironical or ironic, not ironical, <laughs> satirical and ironic. Ironical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> New word. Um, sort of essay of you should marry my husband and here's why. Oh. <laughs> and published it. And he got responses from it. 
they were meant more as humor in a time of sadness, but she openly gave him permission to find joy again. And sometimes that will happen with your loved one. Sometimes it will, as it did with Amy. And sometimes during the acceptance portion of the grief process, that final stage, you have to give yourself permission to move on, find a new dream, Mm -hmm. find a new, I don't know, boyfriend, girlfriend, person, Mm -hmm. find a new pet, or just say, this person that I loved passed away, but they're moving with me and I'm moving forward and I give myself permission to find joy. So Ian, I will never give you permission to find joy, (laughs) but you can give yourself permission to find joy. (laughs) Are you going with that thing of like, if I die, I'm going to haunt your dick for the rest of your life? Uh, not that specific part of the anatomy, but okay, I I've heard that one before. So no, no, but I absolutely would be the person where I feel like more or less I would haunt you more than I would haunt Ian. I feel like I would just find you because you'd still talk to me. I feel like Ian would just be like, yeah. "Oh my god, she's gone." <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. It's okay. Tim and I have a very active um, verbal contract that if either one of us dies, we get to marry the next time for money and/or sex. It doesn't have to be love. It can be money and or sex. So it's like you want the, you know, earthly great stuff. Okay. I mean, I guess I'd give Ian permission for that. I mean, that's not love. No, it's not love. It's like, okay, like we admit it's probably love for us and that's probably it. But like if it ever happens again or it ever happens where one of us dies, you know, go be a sugar baby. (laughs) Yeah. Go, Ian, you can be a sugar baby. That's fine. No, no hate for that (laughs) comment. This is a joke, but still. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> you okay over there? I'm the, worst. I'm the worst. I don't think you're worse than me. Oh, God. I had my one really pure human moment, and that was like it for the year. I've met my quota. See, but that's the thing is like on this podcast, you have been the most wholesome person, so people don't <laughs> realize that I'm not an absolute piece of shit. You're not a piece of shit. You're not. Oh, it's okay. We're the same. It's okay. I am. Well, you're not a piece of shit, but. I admit to my faults. It's fine. So do I. We're self-aware and we admit to our coping mechanisms and our faults and our not abusive substances. It's fine. Yeah. And you're a, you're a beautiful. You're a beautiful, beautiful human, human unicorn. unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last point. I swear. We're getting to the end. <laughs> and it's helping someone through this process. Oh, well. A plus Tess. <laughs> because you're not always going to be the one to experience. You may be the one who knows someone experiencing this process. So we have things for you too. And that is, you will never understand someone else's grief until it's your front row at the funeral. Ooh, that hit fucking hard. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That hit hard. Yeah. It is, it is true, but, but it's okay. Cause realistically all anybody that's going through this needs is just that, that shoulder, that person to listen. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not a huge talker about it, you know, I, I know it's difficult to believe that since I have a podcast, I'm not a huge talker about these things. Cause I'm letting random strangers listening <laughs> to my inner thoughts and monologue, uh, <laughs> But it it really is something where if you have a friend who isn't reaching out directly, um, 
I, I would recommend just kind of talking to them and, and not even just in a text way. Um, if you know that they're going through something and they're like, I'm the type of person where I, I need this face to face. And like, even yeah. though it's over zoom, it's I, still I can, face-to-face. yeah, like I can, I can see, I can see you. It's a, it's a lot easier for me to share these feelings, uh, when I have that visual and I feel that, that actual like connection. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a friend that's a little introverted or just kind of gets into that headspace where they just kind of want to be alone, it's also okay just to go and be with them and not talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Be with a person the way that they need. Don't assume that you know what they need and don't try to push on them what would be the way you would need. Right. Right. Because yeah. this is kind of almost a love language thing. I think that you know, maybe maybe our next million dollar idea is to write a book on grieving languages. <laughs> but I wouldn't begin to have the expertise to write that book. I'd get one page in and be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's my next thing. I don't know. I'll I give you- good hugs. You need a hug. I'll give you, you a hug. You do. You do. You give great <laughs> hugs. You give great hugs for the hug bank. But um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where it's it is kind of like a love language thing where if you know, you know, your best friends type of love language that's also going to be what they need to experience while they're grieving yeah so if if they're a physical touch person you know and it's I am one of those people where it's perfectly fine to platonically be uh like snuggling and touching somebody Mm -hmm. when when they are allowing it and it's consensual and if you feel comfortable doing that in a platonic way oh yeah if somebody needs a hug, somebody needs somebody to cry on, or they just want to, they just want to snuggle like that. That's okay. Oh yeah. It's, it's person by person. And if you can't figure out what way they need, like you, let's say maybe, I don't know most of my friends love languages. Like that's not a thing. You know, I studied my partner, but not my friends that way. Right. Um, so if you can't figure out what they need, sit with them, just Mm -hmm. sit there. Yep. And don't say it's going to be okay. Don't say anything. Say, I am here for you. And I'm not sure how you need me to be here for you, but if you tell me, I'll do it. Yep. And if they need to yell at you, you let them yell at you. And if they need snuggles, you snuggle them. Yep. And even there are some people that might not know either. And sometimes it's okay to just be awkwardly quiet with somebody and just, mm-hmm. you know, if it's that thing where they just need you to be around and you can be on a phone while they're working on their computer or whatever, like... <laughs> One of my best friends from high school, once Papa passed, he was here almost every day. And this is a friend that is very much a, uh, we don't talk very often, mm-hmm. but you know, if, if there's anything that needs to happen, he is the first person there. Yeah. And, and that's just the type of person that he is. He's a wonderful human being. Um, I don't want to use his name cause I didn't ask him cause this just came up right now. No. Oh yeah. You're, yeah. But uh, he's one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And I know that as from, from a genuine platonic state, there is nothing more that he loves than being able to show people love and that they are appreciated. And, and it's just, it's something that you don't get very often in a very genuine way. Yeah, I agree. People like that are amazing. I have known a few and they are treasured. Oh, absolutely. 110%. Yeah. And then my last big point, I guess I would say is just because you would grieve in one way does not mean anybody else would grieve in that way or that the specific person you're trying to be there for would grieve in that way. So validate 
however they grieve. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's not about you. If they're screaming about you, screaming at you, it's not about you. Right. It's it's about them. They're hurting. Let them hurt. Validate the way that they hurt, and never disagree. Don't do it. Don't be like, oh well, you shouldn't. Mm-mm. Unless right. they're hurting themselves or others. That's where I would personally draw that line is like physical or long lasting emotional kind of hurt. Right. And like to that point, I think that it's entirely fine for somebody to kind of have those outbursts and outbursts happen. It, mm-hmm. it definitely does happen. Um, if it becomes a long standing thing, that's different. And, and they're justifying it by the fact that they're in grief. Then you become toxic and they become toxic and it's toxic. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about acute grief. Right. Exactly. This is not chronic. This is acute. This is, oh my goodness. You know, I, I'm going through all of the stages at once. Sometimes it feels that way because yep. this is a cycle. It's not a linear process. Yep. So you validate the way that they're grieving and you just be there for them. You just hang out with them and you just be there for whatever it is that they need. And don't use platitudes like it's going to be okay because it's not. It doesn't yeah. work like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And 110% platitudes are no useless, bueno. useless. Yeah. And they just, they infuriate. If you're me, it just infuriates me. Cause I'm just like, that's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> it definitely isn't. It definitely We're touching isn't. on Tessa's pet peeves here. <laughs> that's not a thing. Maybe that should be a whole episode in and of itself. Ooh, I feel like I could... would enjoy that. Let us know if the pet peeves <laughs> would be enjoyable. <laughs> Those are I, your, I think that'd be a fun listener thing too, is if we oh, ask yeah. people for their pet peeves. Absolutely. Let us know your pet peeves. Let us know if you want to know our pet peeves, because that would be, that'd be fun. I could definitely come up with enough to fill an hour. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 110%. Absolutely. <sighs> anyway, I hope we provided you a few laughs today or helped you get through something that you're grieving about because all griefs are validated. All yep. reasons for grieving are validated. It doesn't just have to be the loss of a person. Just loss can mean grief, no matter how big, no matter how small. It could be a stuffed animal or a jacket. We talked about that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> grief is grief is valid and it, it sucks. It sucks, but the benefit is, is that you're going to get through it. it. Yeah, you are. And as my older brother used to tell me constantly and make me just roll my eyes, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. God. I hated that. <laughs> Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, it's not wrong, but it's still, still it's annoying. frustrating. It's yeah. still annoying. It's still frustrating, but it's okay. We get through the frustrations too. Anyway, if you want to hear more, hit the subscribe and follow button, and we'd love to hear you and see you and have you here again. And follow us over at Mind Over Millennial Podcast on Instagram if you got questions, comments, concerns concerns or just pet peeves you want to share with us, find us at mindovermillennialpodcast at gmail.com. And we're looking forward to seeing you on the next one. All right. Bye guys. Mind Over Millennial Music by Zach Era and Gabriel Ramos. We are funded mainly by ourselves, but we're not too proud to ask for support. Feel free to drop us a line to learn how you can keep learning from our mistakes and Google sources, of course.